You're listening to The Marn Report. Thank you for tuning in to The Marn Report. I'm Sergeant First Class Jason Hole with 3rd Division Sustainment Brigade Public Affairs, here today to talk to you about the Non-Commissioned Officer Corps. With me is Command Sergeant Major Malachi Thornton, the Division Sustainment Troops Battalion's Senior Most Non-Commissioned Officer. Uh, thanks for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Before we get into conversations about recent efforts to enhance the knowledge and, and skills of, of the non-commissioned officers of the, in the division sustainment brigade, uh, just a little bit of a backstory on the history of the non-commissioned officer that I uh, became more acquainted and familiar with as part of the recent NCO induction ceremony that the DSB uh, held on the 13th of April. The birthday of the non-commissioned officer corps is generally considered to be the 17th of December, 1777, because this is when General George Washington camped his army in Valley Forge for the winter. And he recognized the need to improve the quality of discipline and the knowledge of his soldiers. They had really stalled out. They had had a, a real difficulty achieving any strategic victories against the, the British troops. And it was there that, that George Washington recruited Prussian officer Baron von Steuben and appointed him as the first inspector general of the army. And uh, shortly after that, von Steuben, would, he would train selected Continental Army troops, a hundred of them. Uh, and he trained them in drill, in leading, and in teaching, a unit that would ultimately become the President's 100 that we know of today. Shortly after that, he published the Blue Book originally titled The Regulations for the Order and Discipline of the Troops of the United States. It is now 250 years later, and we are coming right out of an NCO induction ceremony that Sergeant Major Thornton and his team put together to recognize the newest sergeants of the DSB. Sergeant Major, do you mind telling me a little bit about putting together that stellar NCO induction ceremony that I witnessed yesterday? So when we talk NCO induction ceremonies, I think back to not only when I was a young sergeant, but also growing up out into the NCO ranks to where I'm at now. One of the things that comes up is when you're a specialist getting promoted to sergeant, how do you do that transition of separation? And so in some MOSs in the Army that you, you get promoted, there's not a lot of places to go. You, you may get promoted and you're staying in the same organization. So it's hard to separate yourself from special sergeant and the, and the individuals you work with. And so what this NCO induction ceremony does, it really highlights a significant point of not only are we doing a promotion ceremony to put stripes on you, but really charging you with the duties and responsibilities of a non-commissioned officer. And I think that's step one. So we, we've said, hey, you're promoted. And there's a promotion ceremony, like you've made it, you, you've met the prerequisites, um, shown the potential to be a leader, and now we've pulled you away and said, all right, we're going to do an induction ceremony. We're going to bring you in and we're going to formalize the process of giving you a charge of saying, now you're a non-commissioned officer, also important, and I'm glad we did it as a brigade. We, we did it amongst other junior NCOs, right? And so we did it around their peers. So it's not you got promoted and you were in front of, you know, a bunch of specialists you may work with. You were inducted among your peers 
And then with that, you start to build the group of NCOs. So now you know who you're left and right. Because a lot of those people didn't even know each other. Um, but I'm sure they had an opportunity to meet new people, not just new people, but new sergeants, new sergeants they could communicate with, new sergeants they could ask questions to if they get stuck and, and they need help, new sergeants they could reach out to. And, and the key on that is just a sergeant is now reaching out to a sergeant. They don't have to feel like, hey, I could, I, I'm, I'm stuck going back to my specialist buddy um, who was my friend yesterday. So the induction ceremony is a key pivotal point, not the promotion, but the induction ceremony is a key pivotal point that highlights you are now a part of the NCO Corps. Here are your battle buddies to your left and right, other non-commissioned officers. Well, and I think it's important to clarify for the sustainment brigade and more specifically the division sustainment troops battalion and, and the division sustainment support battalion. Plus, I, I think this is a 14 field hospital uh, had NCOs being inducted yesterday as well. Unlike many units where there are literally hundreds of, of people in that MOS and that, that of people in that occupational specialty, but in these sustainment units, very often, there's only going to be a few. And all of a sudden, this person is now outranks in charge of this small group is what you're saying. Yeah, I'll use my MOS as an example. Throughout my career, I grew up as a 92 Yankee. And in a supply room, you only have one sergeant and one soldier. And so imagine if you were two specialists in a supply room, one of you gets promoted. But before then, you specialists are, are buddies. But as soon as that promotion happens, there's, unless there's something that separates you from the soldier, then you're going to go back to being friends. It's just a piece of human nature. I think, I think the induction ceremony, what it does is it brings you out of that specialist mindset, or it should be the start of it, right? I'll say it's the start of it. It brings you out of the specialist mindset and brings you to other groups of NCOs. And so now it's not the young specialist that just got promoted to sergeant is leaning on another specialist. That's young specialist that were promoted to sergeant is now introduced to other junior NCOs that he can partner with. So that's very real in, in some small MOSs where you could get promoted and easily fall back into the E4 mindset. And the NCO induction ceremony that I saw yesterday is definitely not a small affair. It's far, far more than, than a simple promotion ceremony. It's, it includes elements uh, straight from uh, the TC 7-22.7 Appendix B. Um, it, 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 it contains a script for a standard NCO induction ceremony, but uh, it's definitely anything but simple because it includes the the NCO watch portion, the lighting of the candles, the reciting the charge of the non-commissioned officer with the brigade sergeant major leading that, speaking the NCO creed as a group from, from start to finish. But the culminating piece, when that soldier, that new sergeant walks underneath the arch, underneath the cross sword, the two non-commissioned officers, it really looked amazing. When we do ceremonies like this, any ceremony in the Army, I usually get angry when people are starting to cut pieces off to try to rush through because that's our legacy and that's our history. And so when we were doing, uh, putting together our brigade's NCO induction ceremony, I thought about it uh, initially. I was like, man, this is a little long. But at the end of the day, I realized that 
and this is our legacy, like what we put on. And I think one of the things I mentioned in one of the rehearsals, this needs to be a world-class event, not for us, but for the junior NCOs that sit, that'll be inducted, but also for the, the junior soldiers that are in the audience that will grow up to see it. So when, when you put on ceremonies like this and you, you go from start to finish, um, I think often that this is a legacy that has to keep going. It's not just for the seniors in the room, more so for the junior NCOs that aren't necessarily being inducted or the junior soldiers necessarily who aren't being inducted, that they can see the legacy, right? So we, we did the NCO induction ceremony for the sergeants. And of course, yes, that was their ceremony to be inducted into the NCO Corps. They saw a piece of history and legacy to continue forward, but also the people in the audience. I a person talking to one of the officers said, is this a secret event? Can I go? I said, absolutely, you can go. I, I would never keep you away. I want our officers to see how we induct our NCOs. What is our piece of history? What is our legacy? What do we bring to the team? Because I want those officers to be proud and to advocate for our non-commissioned officers once they see um, the, the value that we add to the team. And so to sum up very clearly, you're saying this NCO induction ceremony adds the gravitas to promotion to sergeant that's recognized by the unit, the officers, the NCOs themselves, their subordinate soldiers. It's necessary for that. Absolutely. I, I absolutely think it is. Okay. Well, as we talk about these events, like this NCO induction ceremony, it's not the only thing that the DSTV that you and the commander are doing to develop your NCOs in the battalion. One of the things that I wanted to do was lay out expectations and counsel everybody and say, hey, listen, this is what I expect of you. Um, so that was part one. The other part is whether it's one-on-one -on -one counseling, whether it's out at field training sites, like we just did a base defense live fire. And not only pulling my first sergeants in, um, but also pulling those, those senior NCO sergeants, first class platoon sergeants, or section NCOs, and then grooming them uh, on some of the specific things that they should do. But that's only a small part. I haven't even scratched the surface. And planned events I would love to get to, I'm going to do my very best to get to those things. But if I can, at the very least, take an opportunity, one, to get to know all my senior NCOs, and two, have that face-to-face -face interaction, really that engaged leadership with senior NCOs. But if I can influence the sergeant and staff sergeant behavior through the interaction of the senior NCO sergeant first class, then I, I think I've done my job at a satisfactory level. So you're saying, too, then, that the best method is there, there are scheduled LPDs, there are scheduled um, counseling sessions, but there's also the impromptu hip pocket type interactions, whether it's individual or with collective, the, the staff NCOICs or the platoon sergeants that E7 population is that, is there, you're saying is a multi-pronged effort? So we do have scheduled LPDs, but I really like finding a leader in a moment. And what I mean by that is nothing can replicate like a leader making a mistake in a moment and then let's let's converse about this mistake let's retrain on this mistake we can we'll do lpds um as a matter of fact i had in the very beginning i've got to redo it again instead of me coming up with a plan i had three groups of senior ncos develop plans 
as it relates to how do we go to the range and what are the products we build to do for the range. One of them was PT. Hey, I, I think the Army is changing the way the PTs, how we, how we do uh, physical training and not to train for the ACFT, but to build fitness, but really having my platoon sergeants or senior NCOs involved in, hey, build a standard plan that you all have ownership for, and then you'll take back to your organizations that I can later assess to make sure we're build, building a PT plan. I could easily do it myself, but having a platoon sergeant or a senior NCO build that plan amongst a group, I think is much better. And so that was one of the biggest LPDs we did. And I'd like to replicate that really when it's, hey, find a problem and let's not have Sergeant Major fix it. Let me bring senior NCOs, platoon sergeants in, sergeants first class in. Let me address the problem. Let me empower them with the tools to fix it. And then at the end of the day, hey, have have those small groups bring it to all the senior NCOs in the battalion and then share what the problem was, share how we solved it. And then that's it. So I may just slap the table and then send them out to execute. And then we just assess to make sure it's the standard going forward and everybody's meeting. it. Coming back to one thing that I that I saw that I heard from the NCO induction ceremony was Sergeant Major Lightner his remarks on how junior non-commissioned officers set the culture within their unit. And this is, this is a broader army position that is really the, the junior leaders that own and have the greatest amount of influence on the culture of those small units. And it is right in line with the Sergeant Major of the Army's this is my squad concept and philosophy. It's those junior leaders that are at the level to build and sustain trust, exemplify professionalism and the esprit de corps that is key components of the warfighting profession. What are your thoughts on, on how junior NCOs have the power to shape the success of those small units? I'm going to be all over the place when I say this because I was thinking about what you were, what you were describing and a lot of thoughts are going in my head. So. Starting at first on, and even now as, as a Sergeant Major, we're, we'll do farewells, you know, close out formations, give out awards. And then I'm in the position where I'll get the standard, thank you, Sergeant Major, for whatever. They didn't, I didn't really do anything special. But the key thing I'm looking for is when that soldier says, thank you, Sergeant, whatever their name was. And when they talk about everything that Sergeant, whoever it was that did for them, like that really sticks out. That means sergeant was taking care of that soldier. That sergeant made an impact on that soldier, right? And so that's an indicator to you. Yeah, oh, it's just absolute indicator. It's, it's, if if the soldier is thanking their their buddies and then not their um, their sergeant, then it's like, well, sergeant probably didn't have an impact. So I wholeheartedly believe that the the sergeant, team leader, the staff sergeant, squad leader is where the rubber meets the road. Most problems will go away when those two individuals are deeply engaged. And I'll give you an example. As a first sergeant, I would bring in the new soldier and I would bring in the supervisor at the same time. And I would give some a few instructions, but very specific of, you're gonna make sure the soldier lives in the barracks, expect their barracks room, you know, make sure they lay out their TA-50, and we were in the 82nd at the time. So I said, that soldier will have a beret before tomorrow morning. And so 
that was me really pushing how do I get the sergeant involved with the soldier. That culture wasn't 100% there where I wanted to be, right? And so the more that sergeant could have interaction with that soldier, I think it was best. But the soldier just walked away with, yep, Sarge helped me lay out my T-50. Sarge made sure I had my uniform straight. And then that started the development of, hey, if I have a problem, who do I go to? Well, it's already been identified. The counseling would happen so the soldier would know who their supervisor was, their expectations, where to go around the facilities, around the installation so they're integrated properly. And so I, I wholeheartedly believe that if the sergeant is an engaged leader, then that soldier trusts the sergeant. They're going to bring problems to the sergeant. They're probably going to bring more than what the sergeant wants to hear. And that's sometimes not necessarily a bad thing um, because you have that open line communication. And that that level of trust will will go leaps and bounds when it when it comes to accomplishing tasks. Soldiers will probably do, want to do more for that sergeant than what's legally authorized. But that just shows to the, the trust that that sergeant built in that soldier. So, yes, if sergeants are engaged leaders, as they should be, as they must be, then like half the problems wouldn't like we wouldn't have half the problems that that you see in some organizations that exist. Um, probably your biggest problem will be how to slow down excellence because everybody will try to be the absolute best they can because the soldier would not want to disappoint the sergeant that that had helped raise them in the organization. I'm wondering if you have any anecdotes from your past personally or examples of NCOs that imparted these type of ideals onto you that you'd be willing to share maybe in, in helping us understand how it shaped the NCO that you became? No one person helped make me who I am. And so because it takes a village. Oh, yes, it does. And, and so I had to learn to really listen to what everybody was delivering to me. There's some small things that just never, never have left my mind. We were in of the field and I had a sergeant say something very simple that stuck with me and said, hey, listen, you're the NCO. You have all these soldiers. If we have soldiers that are doing pulling guard throughout the night, something very simple of you will go in the middle of the night and check on those soldiers in those firing positions. I didn't know what it meant, but I just knew as a young sergeant, I'd better do it. And then later on, I had a Sergeant Major in a harem farewell say he talked a lot about giving back. At that time, I didn't know what it meant, but I said, all right, I'll, I'll put it in the toolkit. Here I am, Sergeant Major, and I realized taking, and those are just a couple examples, but you know, we just did our field exercise, um, our live fire exercise, and yep, we had to have soldiers out in firing position. So I found myself repeating the same things. And so I'll use, hey, check on soldiers in the middle of the night and give back as the examples. Soldiers appreciate when you check up on them. And it's best when you do it at night. And they know you could, you could most definitely be sleeping in your bed, but you pick the hardest part out of the day to go check on those individuals. And then if you, you as a soldier, you was a sergeant, were a soldier one time. So you knew how it felt in that fighting position. So why not give back the same feeling of what someone gave to you when you were growing up? You know what I mean? So I think giving back everything that I have learned and sharing with people 
also not only helps build the individual, but it helps build yourself as well, right? It makes you humble, you know what I mean, as you go through. So, but I've had a lot of outstanding leaders that set the example and they led by the example. And here's another key piece when it comes to making mistakes. And it's it's okay to make mistakes, right? And so during the induction ceremony, and so some people made a mistake and I said, listen, it's okay to make a mistake. You're never gonna forget that mistake, which means you're gonna, you're gonna you know, build hard to improve on your position which I think is important, but like just letting people know, like it's okay to make mistakes and then grow from it, not only helps develop them, but makes them a better leader to help grow individuals, right? So- Well, because you're always improving your fighting position. Absolutely. And I, the last thing I'll say is you pick a standard, you don't move the goalposts, you move the football. And yes, it's a tough standard. Yes, it's hard to get. And you're not always gonna meet it, right? But as you continue to grow, You'll get that. You'll finally get there. You'll eventually get there. As long as you keep your ears open and you're always willing to learn, you make mistakes, you go forward, but never move the goalposts. Just move the football down the field. Well, thank you again for your time today, Sergeant Major. This has been a, a, a great conversation on, on a topic that I, I know you care a lot and are very passionate about. Thanks for having me. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to the Marn Report. Once again, this is Sergeant First Class Jason Hull, and we will see you next week. Rock of the Marn. In the coming months, you might hear a lot of noise coming from Fort Stewart as our brigades go into ranges for gunnery. Cold weather and overcast skies can tend to amplify the noise. Don't worry, that's just the sounds of freedom. If you have any concerns about noise, please feel free to call 210-9375.